Welcome to DeFi by Design, where we talk all things blockchain and cryptocurrency while striving to educate, empower, and enrich. Welcome back to the DeFi by Design podcast brought to you by The Rollup, a media and education company that provides high quality, actionable insights and information on all things layer twos, rollups, DeFi, scaling solutions, new protocols, juicy alpha, and insightful research. We're excited to share with you the latest trends and development in the DeFi space so you can stay informed and ahead of the curve. Without further ado, we will jump right into this episode with a brief update on some of our current sponsors. Buffer Finance is a non-custodial, exotic options trading platform built to trade short-term price volatility and hedge risk of high leverage positions. They are a leader in the arbitrum charge taking over on layer twos and totally understand the potential of blockchain technology and how it's transforming the finance industry. They are proud to support DeFi by design. If you're looking for a platform to trade short-term options, look no further than Buffer Finance. With their innovative tech, easy to use platform, they're at the forefront of the options tech in Arbitrum. Visit their website, buffer.finance, and take a look at all their options. ZKX is a leader in the decentralized derivative DEX market on StarkNet. StarkNet is a cutting edge technology built to help scale Ethereum using ZK rollups. They understand the potential of scaling, blockchain tech, and how it's going to change the world of leverage trading. ZKX protocol is happy to be on testnet and will be on mainnet very shortly. Check out ZKX protocol on Twitter, as well as on Crew3 to get more information about what's going on on StarkNet. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the DeFi by Design podcast. Excited that you're here, and thank you. Uh, before we jump in, I just want to give you guys a quick couple words about our lovely sponsors who make this show possible. First, we have Metis Network. Right now, every Layer 2 optimistic rollup uses a single sequencer to run their network. This creates a large security and decentralization risk. If that one sequencer goes down due to a malicious actor, seizure by outside authorities, or anything else, the results could be catastrophic. Soon, Metis will launch the first ever sequencer pool. By spreading sequencer duties across multiple parties, Metis will decentralize the most important function of a blockchain network, combine that with their network of block producers and validators, and Metis will become one of the first truly decentralized layer twos using a decentralized sequencer. These sequencers will be required to stake and lock a minimum of 20,000 Metis tokens, which effectively ensures that they will act with the network's best interest in mind. I'm pretty excited about this personally because during DevConnect, we listened to a lot of talks about decentralizing sequencers, and even Vitalik gave a talk about the roadmap to decentralized sequencers. The more that we can push this innovation forward, the more that we can push this ethos of decentralization forward, it makes the entire ecosystem better. So thank you, Metis, for supporting the rollup, and we look forward to seeing this come to fruition. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to episode 116 of the DeFi by Design podcast. We just got hyperlane pilled about an hour ago. We are building the modular future. We are just adding stacks to the modular stack at this point. We got our boy Sunny in here. Osmosis is, is going to be, in, or is, should I say, the DeFi hub of Cosmos Hub. Um, Sunny, GM, sir, welcome. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. Stake Osmo when? STK Osmo coming soon, brother. So we have liquid staking coming to Cosmos, not just with staked Adam. We're gonna we're gonna liquid stake the entire Osmos ecosystem. It's gonna be an osmosis, you could say. How, yeah. What's the vibes with that? How's that going? Yeah, there's a you know I was very uh, you know not the biggest fan of LSDs for a long time, but at some point I learned to just 
accept it and give in. And this is the way that proof of stake works. Uh, and, you know, let's liquid stake everything now. So, yeah, you know, we have ST Osmo, obviously, and Stride is currently the biggest one. But, but like you mentioned, STK Osmo from Persistence should be coming soon. Um, we have a proposal up from the White Whale uh, folks. So they have two new ones. They have the Backbone LSD and the Eris LSD. So, you know, lots of different LSDs. I think it's good. I think it's good and healthy to have like sort of multiples to make sure that there's not any one overly dominant one. Yeah. What, why do you, why, why were you a bit hesitant uh, on your first approach into LSTs? And then we'll kind of get into like what kind of put you over the edge and kind of like settled, settled your concerns. Uh, I don't know if I would say my concerns were settled. It's more that I just, uh, you know, I, my, my, my biggest issue was that I feel they, to an extent, somewhat undermine a lot of the like security properties of proof of stake. Uh, they kind of un remove a lot of that. But then, you know, I guess what happened was I eventually just like gave in and was like, okay, maybe like, it, it, I, I felt like there was just too much emotional attachment to like, you know, I, I was helped develop like proof of stake at, you know, before osmosis, I was working at the core tenement team and we were sort of, I would, you know, I would say some of like the front runners of like, or leaders in like proof of stake mechanism design. Like we invented the concept of slashing. Like that was Jake Wan's invention. And like, we had all these like mechanism designs we did to make proof of stake secure. And then it felt like LSDs just sort of like come in, undermine all of them. A lot of them. And then maybe we were, I, at some point it's like, okay, maybe we just had too much emotional attachment to these, like this idealized version of like proof of stake economics that we had in our mind. If we just like, you know, let go of that and like accept that this is how it works. Um, I, you know, I had this tweet a few months ago that went more viral than I expected it to. I just said like, you know, proof of stake is broken, like something like that. And like uh, that got picked up by everyone like all the proof of work the bitcoin maxi started picking up like see look this guy like you know who's been working on proof of stake is like thinks proof of stake is broken um i don't know i think i'm hoping one day we'll find something better than proof of stake but you know i think right now we just need to focus on like making proof of stake work with the in the face of the reality that is lsds and so i think tried DGNs. Yeah, a bunch of DeFi DGENs come on and uh, and and throw some throw some interesting tech, and all of a sudden, the hard work's been been smashed. You must not like the idea of restaking either on the Ethereum side, because oh boy, we'll throw it all. Oh, another I one. actually love restaking. Restaking was all by us. Uh, so we came up with the idea of restaking, like kind of in parallel with uh, the Eigenlayer folks. So like we have this thing called mesh security, which is very similar to restaking, but it's meant to be like well, why should it only be ETH for restaking? Why isn't everything usable for restaking? I should be able to restake Osmo and Axel and uh, anything. And there's there's some things I don't like about the Eigenlayer architecture. Like it actually uses LSDs like baked into the protocol, which I think is like the wrong design. I think there's, you know, it should have been, a, there's like layers of the stack. There's proof of stake. There's like LSDs, there's restaking. I think restaking one level below, below and then lsds come on top rather than the other way around but otherwise i in, in general i'm very a big fan of restaking interesting good to know and and, and i think perhaps part of your bias um, comes from the architecture of ibc and cosmos is very much kepler dashboard staking a validator do the governance there's the unbonding it's just part of the 
part of the the tribe, if you will. And so some of this some of this kind of liquid staking, uh, you know, kind of breaks that apart as you're saying. But on the flip side, what you get is well, you get a ton of upside, a ton of capital efficiency. You get rumors of tons of modular airdrops coming for stake TIA holders. Wink, wink. And you get tons more. <laughs> you get tons more opportunities to like use Cosmos. Basically, Osmosis becomes more valuable because of yep. liquid staking tokens. Like the opportunities on Osmosis are going to be like extrapolated so so much because of of liquid staking. And I see you guys are kind of getting a, a, ahead of that trend, trying to be more of like a DeFi hub. Um, yep. Yeah, where do you see st- SDK Osmo, SDK TS, SDK DYDX, or ST version from Stride or Persistent? How do you see that fitting in with uh, with Osmosis? Yeah, so you know, I think, like you mentioned, I think that LSDs are going to be a bigger and bigger portion of our of like the DeFi narrative, especially as we move towards like more collateral based things. So like you know, obviously on the, I, I think there's always been this like a little bit of a thing where on the AMMs on, on the decks itself on the spot decks, you know, obviously trading ST Osmo and ST Atom is more efficient, but this is like user thing that people don't know what this is. They want to just buy Osmo or they want to just buy Adam, right? And it's like, it's a huge user education hurdle to get them to that point. Like, oh, this is what ST means. And there's this like time delay and all this kind of stuff. So, um, but once we start to move, you know, Os- you know, Osmosis is working on a perp stacks right now. And in that world, it's like, I actually think that people would like to use like ST Atom as collateral, not Atom. Like if you're if you're putting down collateral, you want that collateral to be, you know, yield generating. So that's why I think that as we as we do that, we're going to see more of that. Um, and so yeah, we have you know we very close partners with Stride. We actually uh, internally incubated a project called Milky Way. Uh, so they're building the uh, you know we saw that there was a market opportunity that because of some of the architectural decisions that Celestia chose. It's hard for like, you can't use interchain accounts on Celestia. So we saw that and we're like, okay, look, if we can actually architect it this way, we can, you know, uh, introduce the first, you know, be the first mover advantage on Celestia staking derivatives. So, you know, we came up with the architecture for this and corralled the validators. And then we reached out to a, a dev team in Korea. Um, you know, he used to be the founder of Cosmo, uh, the CTO of Cosmos Station. So, um, you know, knows the causal stack inside out. And it's it funny, he like just started a job the day before. And then we reach out to him. He's like, okay, give me two days. I'm quitting my job. I'm going to work on this full time. And so, yeah, so, you know, excited to see how Milky Way comes along. So, yeah, the more, the more. When, sir, when. The, well, it was hopefully by end of like month. So like, you know, our. The plan was to be like by end of November, you know, obviously times, t- things take longer than I always expected, but I think by end of this month, we'll see, we'll see MTL live. Well, Christmas gift. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas, boys. Happy New Year. <laughs> cool, man. Um, what's your, what's your vibe on the um, overall uh, growth trajectory for uh, IBC and Cosmos? Um I guess for for our audience, like the you know the the downfall of Cosmos in the bear market was obviously UST. The the and the entire ecosystem has bounced back significantly. Now it feels like this this uh, this atom inflation proposal is like a a little canary in the coal mine to set off kind of a a whole new direction for Cosmos. Like, 
what are your what's what's the vision like what's what's the thoughts now with regards to um that inflation proposal and um how do you propose the ecosystem moves forward yeah so i mean i will say i do think that the, it's worth this like separating like the growth trajectory of cosmos from that of adam and cosmos hub specifically i think cosmos is like you know, i don't know in my opinion a foregone like it's like it, it's happening right like I think the success of Celestia, the success of, you know, the DYDX, I like, I think Cosmos USDC is about to flip optimism pretty soon. Um, you know, ThorChains like has been like crushing it recently. Like I think Cosmos is, is working and happening and it's going to be, it, you know, it, the more people that use the stack, the stack is only going to get better and better and it's going to like grow the network effects. Adam, on the other hand, yes, you know, that was definitely had a, a there was some questionable moments like, okay, what is the purpose of this thing? And to an extent, there's still some of that right now. But for me personally, what I think is that the goal of this is to become this like interchain money. And I, I, I think like today in crypto, there's this like, there's only two real capital assets right now, like high value capital assets. It's Bitcoin and ETH, right? Nothing else even comes anywhere close, like not even like within a magnitude. Um, and so... How would we get a third capital? If you wanted to build the third capital asset, my belief is you can't just copy the same game of Bitcoin and ETH, right? Like Bitcoin started off with this idea of like, like unchangeable monetary policy, 21 million Bitcoin that can never, ever change. That, that, that was a unique like way of building a digital currency. A lot of people try to copy that, but no one, will, no one ever got the same success as Bitcoin. ETH comes along and says, no, 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 we're, that's stupid. We're not doing this like fixed supply thing. We're going to like just follow our own route. And through iteration, they landed on this like, you know, they have EIP-1559 pulling in one direction. You have like the staking rewards pulling in the other direction. And you have this like somewhat more dynamic monetary policies, but still like static in the sense that it can't, it's like, you know, there's no way for governance or something to change it. It's like written into the code. And, you know, right now, so many people just try to copy that of Ethereum, right? Like, you know, Solana is doing great and everything, but like, there's no unique, there's no nothing new about the monetary policy of Solana, right? Like, why would I want to bet on that instead of, <clears throat> I think that Adam has this unique opportunity where at the moment, I would say like Adam is the most decentralized governance token in all of crypto. Like, I don't think there's anything else that like, you know, let's say within like top 100, top 200 assets. I don't know. Maybe there's some like random coin out there that no one's ever heard of. But like, and this is, this is valuable, right? Because, you know, and I, I mean, decentralized governance in many ways. Like one, the token holder set is actually extremely distributed, right? Like uh, in the initial ICO of Adam, they gave away 80% of the supply to ICO participants, which is like relatively high compared to most projects, right? Like nowadays... You hear of projects, it's like, oh, okay, you know, 30% to the team, 30% to the foundation, 20% to investors, like, and it's like, you know, the, 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 the wider community gets like 5, 10% of the supply. And like, you know, I, I love Celestia, but I actually just don't think it's going to be able to replace Adam as the money just because of, it is still very like VC centralized back on, on the supply distribution. Adam, on the other hand, is not. And it just has a culture of decentralized governance, right? And this kind of, comes into play where we've had many like very very contentious governance proposals sometimes passing on like razor thin uh margins but that's like 
the sign of a healthy governance uh, like uh, community, right? Where there is actual debate, not just like one foundation or someone dictating what happens and everyone just follows along. So that's kind of what I think is about. And so if you have a decentralized governance system, I think being able to control your monetary policy is important, right? Like you can do things like, well, one, modify your monetary policy. You could do things like protocol-owned liquidity injections. You can do things like, you know, incentives for driving the usage of it as money. Like there's a lot of things that like, if you add in a governance system, uh, a like the US dollar didn't just become the global reserve currency by accident, right? There was like active like intervention and like policy making that had to happen to make that possible. And I think that something with a governance system has the ability to do that in a way that, you know, a governance list system like ETH doesn't. And that is the opportunity for Adam to like step. Now, the question is, will it step into that role? TBD and it's up to the community to decide. But this happening proposal was the first like, look, the, the community said, hey, we are going to use government, you know, the the white paper of Adam and the founder of Adam don't want this thing got inflation schedule to change. But governance was able to like vote to change it. And that is like, you know, the first triumph of like this governance backed money. And I'm hoping we'll see more such uh proposals coming soon very cool so as as part of the the like founding team of tendermint which obviously is very like embedded into cosmos like how how do you like what what's your personal take obviously like we want like tons of involvement and participation from the overlying community like we like more proposals i think i think that is really great Consensus is a big part of this network and it helps to build consensus, just like soft consensus at the governance layer across all the token holders. Like just as a generic token holder with your, you know, kind of like your, your journey through the space, what is your take on like where the, like essentially like where this is, where this is going and what you think about this ongoing proposal? Uh, yeah. So is which ongoing proposal? So, so like what, which one you essentially what's, what's your take? Not just like in the sense that there's like more of these proposals to come, but like the, this, this proposal around Adam inflation, like what is your personal take on the monetary policy that Adam seems to be going right now? Yeah. So, I mean, I was actually, uh, I was in support of the happening. Um, partially this goes back to like, you know, going back to where we started with LSD tokenomics where we had this like interesting situation where out of inflation was too high and it's causing it to be it. Okay, so, you know, I, I gave this talk uh, six months ago about like a one year retrospective on the terror collapse. And one of the things I like note in there is like one of the big problems, like the really nefarious thing that like Anchor ended up doing was it cannibalized the Terra ecosystem itself, right? Like the job of Terra, like the thesis of Terra was build a real economy around the stablecoin, and that that demand for the for the stablecoin will help is what actually keeps the peg at the end of the day. Problem is, you had this like anchor thing that was coming in and providing twenty percent yield, which was you know one that wasn't real demand anymore. That was like fake, like 
there was nothing actually backing that 20% yield. So that, that's fake demand. But two, it also cannibalized the rest of the economy. So if, you know, let's say you had a, a real lending protocol like Mars, they had to compete with the 20% yield of Anchor and they were struggling to get deposit. So, you know, it, it was cannibalizing the thing. And so it's funny because, and then we actually had the same situation happening with Adam in uh, the Cosmos ecosystem, where if Adam is this like meant to be this interchain money, and at the moment it is the highest capital, highest value asset in the ecosystem. The problem is it with its 15% staking rewards is actually cannibalizing the usage of Adam in other places in the, the system, right? And so then you might think like, okay, the first order answer is like, okay, staking derivatives fix this, right? Okay, well, let's just like drive usage of STAT, which is good. That is the first step. But the problem is that actually doesn't fully solve it because, you know, ST Atom, you can only use it as collateral if there's a deep enough ST Atom Atom liquidity pool. But the problem is to get liquidity in an ST Atom Atom pool, there has to be, you you know, people have to, be, whoever's LPing in that pool, they're basically depositing a bunch of Atom with like no, uh, and that Atom is not earning any of the staking rewards. And so you have to cop and, and these are, Obviously, like people are LPing in this pool are like, you know, pretty knowledge, like knowledgeable participants in the market. And so they know that they're getting losing that ST, that the staking, staking deal. And so you have to compensate them for that. In Ethereum, the staking, the LSD staking rewards are roughly around like four or five percent, I think, for ST ETH. Um, and so ETH, they're, they're able to build up liquidity for ST ETH ETH. Because it's a combination of trading fees, curve incentives, and Lido incentives, those three together are able to get it, like get the uh, ETH ST ETH LPs to like you know uh, be as profitable as just holding ST ETH itself. That's only four percent that they have to make up. How are we going to make that make up fifteen percent staking reward? And so the problem was it's very hard to get liquidity into an ST Atom Atom pool. We kind of started to solve this a little bit via these protocol-owned liquidity injections. So the Cosmos Hub, basically, you know, they put 450k into Neutron. They put 900k into Osmosis. So basically, the the chain itself is acting as the like LP of last resort almost. Um, but at the, you know, that's that's why we were like, okay, that that works. But I don't think that's a sustainable long-term solution in my opinion so that's why we have to drive down the staking rewards rate so that we can drive more demand for atom and st atom in uh DeFi systems like osmosis Levana, etc makes sense i mean the opportunity cost is is now um of of being an lp is now uh dramatically lower Ouch. for those who yeah. want to be able to have uh, whether that is 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 the end all be all or more proposals come to be determined, right? Yeah, at least we, we've gotten there where, where these protocols now don't have to emit. You know, osmosis doesn't have to uh, theoretically osmosis could then emit half the amount of liquidity rewards, which then puts osmosis in a better position from the economics perspective. Now we scale that out to every protocol in Cosmos. What is the what is the result over the next three to six months in your mind of this metamorphic? event where now all these protocols don't have to give as many free tokens they don't have to incentivize so much harder what 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 happens now number go up but like what else like what is a result on the economic side 
that you expect to see from this? Yeah, I think uh, we're going to start to just see a lot more usage of ST Atom in a lot of these systems, right? Like we, now with the LSM, now it's just a matter of getting the proper projects to like be the sync for all this liquidity now, right? I think Levana is going to be a big one. I think like uh, Membrane and Margin, Mars, uh, you're going to see like a lot of these projects start, you know, part, you know there's this meme right now, like Cosmos, like, the product market fit for Cosmos is perpstexes. And the thing with perpstexes is like you need collateral. And I think ST Atom is this like asset that there's, you know, multiple billion dollars of collateral just sitting there. And that's how we bootstrap a lot of these uh, new perpstexes. So like, you know, for us, what we're going to do is like when we launch our perpstex, we're going to build a vault that people can just deposit ST Atom into and it will market make uh, on, the, on the order book uh, for people. So... That's kind of what I see. And then the nice thing is, like like you said, um, a lot of these projects are going to be able to start to flip profitable, right? Like today, Osmosis spends a lot in incentives. Uh, we finally just turn on protocol fees and protocol revenue. So we have uh, trading fees coming in. We have proto-rev. Soon the uh, MEV auction revenue is going to start flowing in pretty soon as well. So, okay, like revenue has turned on but we still got to drive down the costs of the protocol. And so that's going to come via being able to decrease these incentives. Yeah, that's another uh, phenomenon that we've continued to see, like this pattern of uh, fee switches. Um, like there's there's like a, there's a great article out there, maybe you've read, it's called Hyperstructures. Um, and it talks about like the threat of the fee switch, but how may, like maybe that is sustainable for someone to... For, for a governance token to be valuable um, just by the threat of the fee switch. Um, because when you turn it on, theory, and then there's you know a bunch of different considerations there. So kind of looking at some other examples, Uniswap on, on EVM um, and how they've handled their fee switch, kind of like what, what were the considerations that you had when thinking about whether or not to turn it on? And then, you know, you, you mentioned it was just recently turned on, like in very, like in the short time, frame the sample size that you've seen it on have you seen any differences in the data that you're collecting other in order flow or or like the types of users or volume um as a result of now the the switch being turned on yeah um the i think what we just saw at some point was that like fees were like volume was pretty consistent regardless of like the fees that that that, that will be charged, even like in a when we have like different, we, we notice that like okay, depending on what swap fee pool that we create, like is it the point one percent, the point three percent, things tended to be pretty stable. Like the volume came regardless, partially because for a lot of the assets, Osmosis is the primary market for, and then for the assets that we are the secondary market for, for yes, arbitrage volume goes down just. In times of high volatility, which we we have been in for the last couple of months, right? We act, it it actually has been pretty negligible. So, you know, you lose volume when the market's moving like very sideways. There's less arb volume happening, anyways. But like right now, it's it we barely noticed like any real effect on volume. Volume has sort of only been going up, and I think it's uh, it did just finally like bring in a lot of attention for osmosis, right? I I think you know there was this narrative that Osmo is this like just, you know, farming dump token only, right? But it's like, okay, 
well, now that there actually is real protocol revenue, it's like, no, this isn't just a farming dump token. This is actually, you know, it owns the revenues that the Osmosis Protocol built. So that just brought more attention and excitement to it. So I think in the last two months since we activated, it's already earned over a million dollars in revenue. Uh, and, you know, we expect to see that just continue, continue to go up. And oh, the other thing that's nice is once you start charging fees, so currently... Uh, I think Osmosis is charging 10 bips per trade, which is online with centralized exchanges, right? That's about, uh, you know, I think we kind of just looked at what Binance charges, charge something in the same ballpark for now. But now you can actually start to do fun things where you can start to do systems to reduce it, right? You can dip like, you know, uh, trading tiers. The more you trade, the, the fees go down. Or you can do referral bonuses, right? So we can say like, hey, if you invite someone to use Osmosis, will give you 25% of the trade of the trading fees that they do. So now that you have this like stream of revenue that the exchange is making, we can actually use that to do, um, you know, instead of pocketing it as protocol profit, we can actually use the like package those into growth techniques instead. For sure. Yeah. Affiliate marketing, other kind of, uh, um, gamification, even through um, NFTs or quests or all different ty types of things are, are possible. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's a, very much a, a, an, a middle to end of the bear market uh, schema that we've seen here amongst different DEXs. And it just makes sense, like, especially if market leader Uniswap does it, CalSwap does it, os os Osmosis does it, it's just going to be a thing in the future. And users don't care. Users pay for the security, they pay for the trust, they pay for like the brand. And, you know, it's, you look at anything in the world, you pay to use it, uh, which brings you value. If osmosis or insert decks here brings you economic value, you pay for it. Just life. Now switching gears, Celestia just rocketed the modular narrative. Like it just freaking put Cosmos on the map. Um, and I think Rob had something, but real quick going into this kind of modular narrative, because I think it's slightly bit, a bit more exciting than dex fees. Um, the 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 idea of this modular narrative is taking Cosmos and IBC and like it's really opening it up, I think, to the rest of the ecosystem with these different interop uh, protocols. So from a base level, we'll start here. How does Osmosis fit into the modular narrative? Taking a quick commercial break here to tell you guys about our lovely sponsors. Right before we get back to this fascinating discussion, we have a message from our current sponsors. Here we go. I want to take a moment to introduce you to our sponsor, Premia Finance. Premia is a native options protocol that offers market-driven pricing and capital-efficient returns for traders and liquidity providers. With Premia, you can trade options on a variety of different crypto assets. What sets Premia apart is its unique pricing mechanism, which is based on the market's expectation of future volatility. This means that options prices are always in line with market conditions, which provides traders with the most fair and transparent pricing. Recently, Premia has just launched their Options Academy, where you can learn for free how to become a proficient options trader. Feel free to check it out at premia.finance, hedge your risks, or amplify your positions um, to earn more capital-efficient returns on Premia Finance. Thank you. And another exciting sponsor to introduce you is Plana Finance. I've recently been onboarded as an advisor for Plana Finance, which is one of the first self-custodial wallets to support account abstraction. With Planet Finance, you can revolutionize your crypto experience and take control of your assets like never before. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing multiple wallets. Hello to a seamless, user-friendly experience. 
Cloud Finance allows you to easily manage your assets, swap tokens, and earn rewards all in one place on your mobile phone. They have an app in the Apple App Store as well as in the Google Play Store. Uh, with Cloud Finance's self-custodial wallet, you hold the keys to your assets, ensuring the highest level of security and privacy. With tons of cool features like gasless trading, um, interesting yield competitions, and cool NFTs, there's an amazing amount of effort going into building this app that already has tens of thousands of users. So what are you waiting for? Download Planet Finance today and experience the future of crypto wallets. Yeah. Um, I feel like the modular narrative is a little bit underspecified of what it means to be modular. Uh, you know, okay, uh, the feeling like beyond just like the hype narrative of modular, like what does that actually um, I think you could describe modular in multiple ways, right? There's, you know, I would say horizontal modularity, which is something Osmo like Cosmos has always been pro of, of like this app chain concept of like, okay, you know, one chain doesn't have to do everything. We can have different chains functional, focus on different parts. Um, but then there's also what I call like vertical modularity, which is like, you know, the, how vertically integrated is a system. So. Like in, on one hand, you could say the Cosmos stack is actually extremely modular. Like the way we architected it was like the consensus engine is separate than the like state machine and like uh, the Cosmos case is a very modular system. Literally call them modules uh, instead of contracts. Um, and so, in that sense, it's modular. But I get, I think maybe the part that I actually disagree with the modular narrative a little bit is that every one of these components, like from a technical perspective, yes, they are modular, but from an organizational perspective, I actually don't think that things should be overly modular. Uh, I'm a big believer in like extreme vertical integration. Like I think the best products and best companies get made by vertically integrating. So you look at something like Apple, right? Like Apple builds these like amazing products because they build the software, they build the phones, they build the OS, they build the chips, right? Like they build everything from like top to bottom. And I think that allows them to build a more cohesive product experience than if they like, you know, you see other, you know, Android on the other hand, you know, they, they outsource a lot of things, right? Like different, different company builds the phones, you know, Google builds the OS, like, you know, different companies build all like the chips, like it. And it works, right? Both strategies work, the modular system and the and the in vertically integrated system. But like, I think the vertically integrated system really lets you like squeeze out the last bits of performance and of cost, right? Like, you know, uh, SpaceX like became so, uh, I don't know if any of you have been reading like the Elon Musk biography, I've been reading it recently. And it's like, you know, one of the things that SpaceX does really well is by vertically integrating everything, they like squeeze out the last bit of cost from everything because if you have this like and that's that's kind of my worry with this whole modular take is like okay if a different pro chain is doing the da layer a different one is doing the consensus and sequencing and like oracles and like everything is being done by a different layer that's like everyone needs to build a venture back business and charge their own fees and i think that's actually just going to end up diluting towards the costs uh to users spacex can drop build ultra cheap rockets because they don't need a profit at every layer of the manufacturing stack. Um, so that's kind of my, I don't know, hot. It doesn't fit in. It's, 
it's full on vertical integration from a DAP perspective, especially with Cosmos, because when you think about it, Cosmos and Ethereum did their their approach opposite, and now are trying to converge. Whereas Ethereum started as yeah. one and is now going into rollups with L3s and app chains. Cosmos started as a horizontal stack and is now trying to figure out how to bring it all kind of together. So I guess from your perspective, yeah. it's more of like it's not like let's try to build you know Osmosis, for example, as as a chain with all these different parts. It's how do we bring together this horizontal stack of cosmos and of all these different app chains together uh into a more seamless experience which is already natively modular yeah i i, I will say like on on the other hand there are times where you do need to outsource right some things are just so like challenging or you know or not challenging but like need such specialized care that it's worth outsourcing to work to someone that specializes in that. So in Osmosis's case, we made the explicit explicit decision that like bridges are too complicated, right? Like the amount of bridge hacks and everything we've seen, they need like extreme specialized care. And that's something we don't want to build in-house. So that's why we decided to go work with like, you know, Axlar was our first bridge partner, but now we've expanded to like wormhole and hyperlane and stuff as well right we say okay bridges you know there's so many things we need a bridge to and so much security implications here we're going to outsource that completely and so yeah there are times where you do need to you know be strategic on what you choose to outsource or not how do you how do you see like the the trade-off of horizontal like staying modular staying the very like wide breadth of horizontal like uh, market fit and then and then I'm, I'm what i'm trying to get to is this liquidity landscape that's living on cosmos right now like when you when you vertically integrate all of the liquidity across like you have a, a a series of apps that are all vertically integrated into osmosis then there's almost like this shared liquidity model and it all becomes more efficient so yeah. could you kind of talk us through like the landscape of liquidity on Cosmos now that it's that it's pretty horizontally spread out and what you're doing to kind of bring that together inside the Osmos stack? Yeah, that's that's actually a really good question. Something I've thought a lot about, which is like, yeah, the liquidity landscape of Cosmos. Okay, I would okay, there's just like Okay, there's this interesting thing, which is at the end of the day, a lot of crypto projects are just building trading infrastructure, right? Like we're all just building different ways of like trading assets. And most like L1s are trading are like an L2s are just building infrastructure to run trading DEXs on top of. And then most like DeFi stuff are just building at the end of the day, they're building some way of building a DEX or leverage infrastructure. So in Cosmos, I would say we actually have, you know, there's a lot of projects that are not necessarily trading infrastructure, but like some of them are. So what Osmosis has done well is it is the, for in the Cosmos ecosystem, it is by far the DEX where anyone who, for any token that is not trying to build trading infrastructure, Osmosis is the obvious place to list their asset, right? Because this is, we have all the users, we have the volume, we have like a great UX. And so we've succeeded very well on obviously Atom because it doesn't have its own decks or anything on Celestia because it is not trying to be 
trading infrastructure, things like Akash and Stargaze and all, all these projects that are not trying to build their own trading infrastructure. We've done a really good job. Now we, and for UST, we did as well, right? Because it was also not a DEX. Where we don't, the, the, the projects that we are not the main DEX for are the things who are trying to be their own DEXs, right? So like Neutron is like a token that's pretty popular right now, but like, you know, they don't want to list their token on osmosis because, you know, they want to keep that volume and liquidity on their own chain. Same thing with say, same thing with like you know, a couple of, uh, you know. uh, and so they are, I think the Astroport architecture has actually gotten some success where Astroport takes more of the Uniswap style approach and actually just goes deploys a version of their, of their decks on each of these chains. So that way they, the chains get to be like, Hey, look at all this liquidity and volume that we have on the, our chain. But the thing is, at the end of the day, all that liquidity and volume is only for their own native token. It's not really for anything else. So, um, what we are trying to, you know, what we need do need to figure out as Osmosis is how do we make sure we capture some of that volume from other things, and we're we're actually seeing that. So, someone went ahead and created a pool for Neutron on Osmosis. And it's already like in the last two days, it's already doing 10% of the volume that's happening on the neutron chain itself. And I think eventually it's going to like exceed the amount of volume on the neutron chain just because users want to trade where they're already comfortable, which, with, which is osmosis. Man, the app chains have so many consequences of liquidity. It's nuts. Mm -hmm. Man. One of the things that we are considering doing is like, you know, we might just start dispatching trades to other chains. Like if a user comes in and they want to buy, I don't know, Archway or not even Archway, let's say they want to buy Abax, right? And like, we just don't have that much liquidity for Abax on Osmosis. We do support it, but there's like, I don't know, a few hundred K of liquidity, which is not meaningful, right? What we might just do is say, okay, if someone wants to do that, we're going to dispatch a trade via Axelar to like Trader Joe, do a swap and then send the Abax back on the osmosis chain so that way people are still holding their assets and like the user experience is still on osmosis but we can just dispatch trades elsewhere we that you know someone might argue like why are we giving volume away to other exchanges to other dexes but then but that's volume we weren't going to capture anyway we might as well keep the user and dispatch the volume exactly the user gets better execution uh because yeah more liquidity on trader joe could could you kind of like describe like how that works in practice and and maybe even bringing in some of like the experience that you have working out at a, a consensus like uh group like how do you derive that consensus if you're going to go send an order over to avax like we know that like osmosis because it's a cosmos chain has its own set of validators those validators have to derive consensus with the avalanche or wherever you're trading avax on trader joe there's another set of validators and there has to be some sort of like state consensus about where the AVAX is and where the, you know, what token you use to buy it. How do those two sets of validators arrive at consensus? Right now, we basically outsource to a third validator set in this case, which is the Axelar validator set. The Axelar validator set acts as our bridge and they have this protocol called GMP, general message passing, that allows an account or a contract on one chain to trigger smart contracts on a different chain. So what we would basically be doing is sending the user when they make their transaction osmosis, it gets picked up, you know, the Avalanche val actual validators 
basically are the ones who are actually triggering the smart contract, uh, the Trader Joe contracts on Avalanche. And then when they get the ABEX, they're the ones like bridging it back. So we kind of outsource to the ab, uh, to the Axelar validators. Um, and this is kind of why mesh security is so important as well, because uh, that's what will bring, make it so Axelar has the same level of economic guarantees as osmosis, right? Like right now, so much of our stack is like, or our assets are dependent on Axelar. But at the same time, osmosis makes up like 70, 60 to 70% of Axelar's TBL. It would suck for either of us if the other got like attacked, right? So the nice thing about what mesh security will do is it will allow both osmosis and Axlar to be secured by the sum of our two market caps. And this is by combining the two validator sets? It doesn't combine the two validator sets. We actually keep independent validator sets, but it uses a restaking paradigm where when I have my Osmo staked on osmosis, I can restake it on an Axelar validator as well. And so that way, if that Axelar validator does something malicious, my Osmo gets slashed. So basically what it does is the validator sets are independent, but the economic security securing the two chains is actually like the sum. It's a sum. It's a total. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And so what you, and, and hyperlane's great too. I mean, hyperlane effectively will bridge through either, you know, using Axelar or Wormhole or, or a, common, a combination of them as well. Um, to bring that in. And then what you get to, you know, if this is a future that you want to take osmosis through, what you get is you get a future where you don't have like crypto users of DEXs, you have osmosis users where why do I need to go anywhere else other than osmosis when I can swap everything here and then I can do anything. And it's probably like more or less division of perps and lending and DEX and, um, you know, the other kind of functionalities. And what's great is that we're finally seeing the infra catch up to this vision. It's like, oh, you know, I, I remember simple things like DeFi summer 2020 was like, damn, it's going to be really cool to have a settlement layer staked ETH that is always yield generating. Why would I ever trade into ETH? I always just keep staked ETH as my base, right? And so now we're getting like interop and now more staked assets in Cosmos. And, you know, the, the infra is catching up to the visions of the visionaries, which is, it's exciting. Good stuff. Um, moving moving towards more of um, the, the kind of back, well, also, you know, kind of forward to this uh, liquid staking uh, token narrative is something that, like, I just want to hit on again because I think it's going to really open up a whole other kind of world on Cosmos where um, we can unlock so much liquidity that's invalidators. So, when we have liquid staking unlocking an Osmo, um, we have uh, Thea, we have DOIDX, um, you know, and you know, name your token, right? We well, there's going to basically be like more money floating around. But still have the same governance properties, um, you know, of a, of a, uh, you know, of a, of of somebody staking in a validator. So, could you just walk us through what this is going to look like in the Cosmos ecosystem? So, let's say I'm staking, I'm staking Tia right now, or, or I'm staking DYDX on a validator. Let's say I'm on Stake Cedo, or I'm on Figment, or wherever. And so, once that protocol goes live, Stride Persistence, I'm then going to be able to to trade my stake for a liquid stake uh, token receipt. And then I can go into osmosis and I can, you know, do a trade or I can do some, uh, you know, some some CDP on a chain that can move my things all around. This is all going to be tracked back to the home chain. Um, so is there any security concerns that you're seeing there from like moving 
stake tokens from chain to chain to chain, intertwining with DAP to DAP to DAP. Like, is there any worry that Cosmos isn't really getting ready for where, I don't know, any sort of malicious event or I don't mean to be too much of a doomsday, but I'm thinking about how much rehypothecation and then bridging from different chain to different chain uh, with liquid staking tokens. Like, is there anything that you've thought of as far as that on the governance side or, you know, yeah. I'm just curious. What, so, what... Two interesting things I, w I would say about, so one, the obvious, I think the one thing I would like to, I've been pushing stride to do. And I think like is the right way of doing LSDs at the very least is um, something I call copy staking. Cause right now when you like delegate to stride, they have to choose a specific validator set to delegate to. And it kind of turns into like almost like a little bit of a POA system. Right. Where it's like, okay, the stride just chooses who the validators are. And if they get 80% market share, now they just choose the validator set, which I don't think is like really that okay. Um, and so that's why I would like to do something where it's like an LSD should just delegate in the exact same proportion. Like you should re pretend you remove the LS, like strides uh, delegation. What is the distribution of stake? Delegate according to that distribution so what you're basically making it happen doing is that you can either choose to direct stake like and choose the distribution of validators or you can choose to go to the lsd and just get that extra liquidity right and so it's like um what will actually end up happening then is like the validators basically uh will direct stake and it becomes like the, with their self bonds in order to get uh you know higher voting power but then it's the the People who don't care, they'll just go through the LSD, but it the LSD shouldn't impact like the secure, like the distribution. The governance and the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or else I, I just worry because it's, it's still governance centric and causes with the validators that I just worry about yeah. something where somehow the, we, we lose track of this and so yeah. all of a sudden a freaking chorus one controls all of freaking osmosis governance and then boom, you know, like what the hell? The other interesting thing, like re that, is, will be interesting to see if it plays out. Uh, I, I, you know, before we started, I heard or heard you guys talk to me a little bit about like Jaquan's like fork and everything with after that having proposal. Um, I will say I actually find it to be interesting. So this is like Jay's thesis, at least, which I, I can get behind. Um, once again, the thing with Jay is he is very brilliant. Uh, he is just sometimes like so out of tune with the rest of the crypto industry that he doesn't know the standard terminologies that we all use to talk about things. And because of that, he struggles to explain his ideas in a coherent way. Um, you know, maybe that's give, giving him too much credit here. You know, it is also a little bit crazy, but I, I think he'll admit that, you know, he knows when he's a little bit going off the rocker, but, um, the, the, the generous reading of what the premise of uh, Adam won, or now I, I, I'm happy I he chose my ticker. Atoned. Atoned. We were all atoned for my sins. Uh, Thank goodness it was not Adam one. That was going to be yeah. a show. But Atoned is cool. I, I really like Atoned. Uh, but the premise here okay, is LSDs are, go as they suck up more and more of the capital, they are going to be like the biggest governance holders in all of crypto, right? And you don't want a situation where one LSD dominates the entire thing. But the problem is 
economic incentives, the way liquidity aggregates by nature will push everything towards one dominant LSD. So how do you solve this? How do you actually encourage multiple LSDs is you like you you have to make people care about something other than economic incentives and you need to like use tribalism to encourage like diversification and you do this by adding a political component to LSDs where you turn so once again if LSDs are the governance like they you know get they the governance power black holes you turn them into political parties so and so the idea is that like okay maybe you'll have the stride political party you'll have the adam one political party you'll have this you know other political party oh, oh. and so like you stake with with the person that you align with or the people that you align with exactly and so wow, that's Jay, great. Jay's premise is like hey here is this like very contentious governance proposal about the habiting and this is a good dividing line to to separate the progressives from the conservatives, right? He's like, okay, the people who are anti-havening are the conservatives. The people who wanted the havening are the progressives in like Adam governance. Let me airdrop my like LSD governance atone to the conservatives because that is the party that I want to build like an Adam governance part, political party around. And like, I think this actually makes a lot of sense. I think it was like, you know, uh, I, I, we'll see how it plays out, but like, from like a, I, I, I got into crypto because I was like, I, I was really into like political economy, and I think this is like one of the most interesting, like political economy developments of crypto is if we see the emergence of LSDs as political parties. Wow. Yeah. I mean, some people might just dump, but some people will be like, "Free money. I love this guy. I'm all aligned." Yeah. So, so is this going to happen? Is a tone happening? Is it is it confirmed? Is is this fork happening? I, I assume it'll happen. I mean, it's not you know, one of the things that's uh, for better or for worse. And Cosmos SDK makes it so easy for you to launch a new chain. So, you know, I, I'm sure they have the capabilities to launch the chain. Um, now, keep in mind, all of this, like, premise of, like, what I've been talking about, but this, I all, I talked, me and Jay had, like, a discussion about this, like, a month ago or a month and a half ago. So this was before the proposal actually happened and, so I don't know if the current vision of it is the same as when we talked about it originally, but I, I mean, if that, if that, if, if, if it is, I'd like to see it happen personally. And also, you know, more, I, at the end of the day, I also think a toad is a little bit of a J quad meme coin, which, uh, you know, is true. They'll be, sure. yeah. And look more meme. There's, there's going to be a lot of volume on it. I'm sure. And that point on osmosis. And so more volume. Oh on my God. There's the capitalism coming out. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Sonny's right at the middle of progressivism. The conservatives just going to let them fight it out and then profit from the middle. Switzerland. It's going to become the Switzerland of Cosmos. Yes. That's right, baby. The uh, the strong value, the strong value. Interesting. And so you think that um, you think that uh, doing governance in, the, in using political uh, kind of vision or separation, for lack of a better term, it could then also actually uh, lead to a more uh, well-sustained and, and decentralized, more secure governance system via LSTs. Yeah, I think it. I think it'll lead to LSD diversification, which is important, right? Like, 
that you actually see this a little bit in like Lido and Rocket Pool, right? I think Lido and Rocket Pool have slightly different views on how like Ethereum governance and like stuff is supposed to work. And that's what leads Rocket like every, everyone who delegates to Rocket Pool is doing it, I think, partially for ideological purposes, more so like, you know, they're probably better off getting the higher the twenty percent Lido. Um, but and that's a good thing, right? You want to leverage this like political diversity to lead to but as you said, in Cosmos, it's it's even more so uh, governed that like the difference between ETH and Rocket Pool, from my opinion, is like, well, we don't want or sorry, Lido Rocket Pool, we don't want Lido to have too much stake, so we're gonna stick yeah. with Rocket Pool. With this, it's like, well, freaking Jay Kwan is this and this and that and drama there and this, and then on top of all that, there's actually all of that governance on every single chain. It's a whole yeah. other. So I think your, your thesis on Adam being the number three by not taking the same path and being governance money and i think i saw you tweet this maybe somebody else was like adam is the the most decentralized governance money in crypto maybe it was jack or zaki like in in all of crypto and, and i think that's totally the path to take and to lean into or else you just yeah. become another l1 with a set of 30 validators that's not the best thing you want yep and with, with with like like more governance around that it means that, i i think it means that monetary policy is more adaptable Bitcoin obviously has the most rigid monetary policy in all of crypto. Ethereum's like less rigid than Bitcoin. We saw EIP-1559, but it's still like not so fluid that the community can make decisions. Cosmos is super adaptable. Like anyone can put up a proposal. Next thing you know, the atom inflation rate is cut in half and like it doesn't work. We just put up another proposal. We increase it again. It's like very fluid, nimble, cool, very adaptable. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen it, so let's see. Yeah, it, it definitely uh, it's uh, it's not the norm in crypto for sure. But you know, if you're trying to build a new thesis, like you're not going to do it by copying what already works. It's been a pleasure to have you on, Sonny. I appreciate your uh, insights and your and your hard work thus far. Um, in the Cosmos ecosystem, and I know many people do as well. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being on. Thanks for listening to the DeFi by Design podcast. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors for their support. Please check them out in the links below, as well as on our website and in our newsletter. We'll be back with more exciting guests and insights. Until then, stay curious, stay informed, and keep designing the future of DeFi.